Hey, welcome back to the 24-7 version of the MedCorp Podcast Network. I am here with my wonderful co-host, the Bearded Biomed. And, you know, it's been a while since we've just sat down and talked. And today we're going to talk about supply chain challenges in medical devices and kind of how they're affecting the HGM industry. So, um, Chase, tell me what you've seen regarding supply chain issues. So I think everybody's kind of feeling the burden of supply chain issues right now as it is. Um, Obviously, we've been on the stint of COVID, which has obviously impacted that. Um, I think everybody, when they think of supply chain, they just automatically go to, all right, well, a part or a accessory or something for my medical device or, you know, for patient care um, has been on back order. Um, But I think it's gone it goes a lot deeper than that. Um, There's also a massive staffing shortage right now, which is also playing towards the supply chain issues. If you want to consider that, you know, we have a nursing shortage, we have uh, a truck driver shortage. I mean, all of these integral pieces are play a huge impact in, you know, delivering everything we need to deliver patient care. Um, you know, there's there was that huge shipwreck that caused massive backlog um, of parts. Now, specifically, I've had a couple uh, instances in the past several months that have really kind of slowed everything down for my customers and have made it, unfortunately, a little difficult um, in getting repairs up in time. One such is I actually finally got it completed yesterday. Um, I had a blanket warmer, you know, which is used for making the towels nice and cozy for patients. Um, Their fan motor kit went down and I ordered this piece at the beginning of January and I just got it yesterday. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now I, I had reached out the Steris, which uh, they were absolutely fantastic on. Um, They kept me up to date with statuses all throughout the entire, you know, several months I was contacting them. But they had actually told me that they had parts on back order since October and November of last year. And this was all due to supply chain. Wow. Now, luckily, this is not a critical life-saving device. But, I mean, we've also experienced within my company, you know, we actually had a CT tube that wasn't available for two weeks. Wow. And okay. Anybody that's, you know, relevantly knows about CTs is, you know, the longer they are down, the longer it's costing the facility money because it's not just about it being down. It costs money to, you know, provide electrical, HVAC, everything for this unit. And then you're also having to turn away patients for providing care for that as well. So these supply chain issues, while my Duke can also, you know, jump to an extreme position such as for the CT as well. Yeah. And I read an article recently about how there's an AED shortage due to microchips, the lack of microchips. And when you think about that, I mean, AEDs are used to save people's lives and, you know, they're in public places, but without AEDs, if someone has a heart attack, I mean, what are they going to do? It's, it's, it's so much bigger than what it seems, I think. Yeah. The, the microchip industry, especially right now, I mean, Uh, I'm kind of a techie guy, so I like to build computers and do that kind of thing. And, you know, a lot of the graphics cards and things of that nature um, were really hard to get 
and come by simply due to, you know, microchip shortages and things of that nature. And that is obviously extended into the medical realm too. Um, going into the AED story, I actually had another customer. It was about a week or so ago and I came in and I did the preventive maintenance inspections and I came across an AED. And of course, one of the major things you want to check ADs are that obviously it passes a self-test. I mean, the batteries are up and good. Um, and of course the pads, the pads were not only expired, they were egregiously expired. Wow. Okay. And I had asked him, Hey, do you have backup pads with your places? Because I cannot in good conscience let you have these hooked up to the unit. And she said, no, I've had these pads on back order for the past six months. And my only way to have a functioning AED is to have these expired pads onto this unit which is a huge red flag, but we are at that extreme right now where they either have to choose expired pads or have no life-saving device at all. That, I mean, that's, that's terrifying. It really is. I mean, and people again, don't, I think the general public has no idea about the ramifications of these shortages and, and really how they could result in a life or death situation. I mean, that's that's what we're for, right, Carrie? <laughs> right. I mean, we're telling you. So you heard it first here. But um, what do you think it's going to take to improve this? I mean, do you think that that will be improvements on the horizon, or do you think it's going to get worse before it gets better? Um, I think we're probably at that worst threshold. But then again, I mean, you never know. It's gonna. It, it kind of threw us all for a loop to begin with, and it's you know, kind of had us reassess and, you know, really inform customers, um, you know, medical facilities that, hey, lead times are probably going to be a lot longer than you're used to. And not simply just because we're unable to do the repair, but we have sometimes no really discernible, you know, amount of time that the manufacturers give us in which we're going to get these parts uh, to service your equipment. And this, I mean, it's not just parts. I mean, I've spoken with several materials managers. They can't get you know, certain accessories for doing particular uh, surgery cases. They can't get uh, simple accessories like a SPO2 finger pulse or something along those lines from their distributor, um, you know, to get equipment back up and running because, you know, a lot of these things, they get beat to hell and, you know, from time to time they need to be replaced. Um, one thing I would encourage a lot of medical facilities is, you know, usually a medical facility will be tied down to um, whatever distributor that, or vendor they like to use. Um, most of the time I'll hear like Henry Shine or um, what's the other one? I'm drawing a blank right now, but it's massive and they order a lot from them. But, you know, if you are encased by back orders and lead time from your vendors, it might be worth at least for the time being going out of that scope. And I understand some people have contracts in place, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't reach out and see what else is in the ecosystem and to see if we can get your equipment up and running as well. Um, it's going to take a lot more networking and a lot more research than what we're typically used to. But at the end of the day, we don't want this to inhibit patient safety and especially, you know, patient care in general. So, if we have to make that extra, you know, sacrifice to go outside our normal realm of where we're ordering parts, accessories, and, you know, 
things of that nature, then obviously it needs to be done at least until we get out of this weird, you know, box that we're in with supply chain. Do you think that this is directly attributable to COVID and, you know, just coming off of COVID, obviously COVID hasn't gone away, but maybe the, the main pandemic has, but do you think this is still tied to that and that's the reason for these shortages or not? I mean, I think a lot of experts have kind of pointed to COVID, you know, the pandemic as the main cause of the supply chain disruption, um, which is, it's really only, you know, increase the shortage of material. Um, this, I mean, this isn't even just for parts and accessories. This also goes for even new equipment coming out. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just, you know, we can't get stuff to service what we have now. I mean, manufacturers are struggling to meet the demands for getting out their newer products as well, just because they don't have the materials available. And those disruptions really were kind of at an unprecedented level of having medical supplies and equipment and everything else readily available for facilities. Uh, I think in short, COVID has kind of been the lighting spark to all this. And if you compile that with staffing shortages, um, of course, like I said, the actual chain of supply from, you know, freight and, you know, shipping and things of that nature where there's just been, there's story after story of interruption, you know, ships crashing into canals or, you know, you see the, the videos and pictures of shipping containers just falling um, off of the, the freight loader. And I mean, there's, there's just a lot of different factors, but I think COVID, like I said, was the beginning spark to all of this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's what we started hearing about the shortages, but obviously it's gotten so much worse. One of my friends owns a trucking company and all I hear about is, you know, there's also the labor shortage, available driver shortage, and just, it's such a vicious cycle. And I think, you know, that also leads into the industry, HTM as a whole. I mean, people are exiting the field. So not only do you have a part shortage, you have a future labor shortage too. It seems like a perfect storm to me. Yeah, as we have all know, you and me have both spoken about it is, you know, that the biomed field in general is always had issues with retention. Um, but more so, it's been a continuous thing that we don't have the bodies coming into the field to meet that labor shortage. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've heard talk of, well, you know, that's 10, 15 years down the line. No, this is an issue now, which is why so many people are bringing it up year after year after year at conferences on my podcast, uh, news articles, uh, you know, biomed society meetings. I've heard it almost at every single iteration. And like I said, we have discussed this almost at nauseum to a point, but the reason we are is because this is going to dramatically affect the landscape of the medical industry. If we do not have people that are qualified and meeting the need to properly service these medical devices, and that's, like I said, the supply chain issue, eventually that will be resolved. Right now, it's just tough. But a larger issue is labor shortages and staffing 
and meeting the demands that we need to meet in order to facilitate the care that we have been, you know, doing for however long we've been doing this for. Yeah. I mean, there, I know, and on this podcast, Danielle and I talk just about all the stuff Amy's doing to mitigate the supply sheet shortage. And I think it's so nice to see so many movements to change it, but yeah, it, it is. I mean, every biomed show I've been to, that's such a main topic beyond cybersecurity. It seems like retention and bringing new blood to the field is the biggest thing. So um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this unfolds. And I do hope that all the different efforts work. Well, Danielle and her team are doing a great job yeah. at Amy to give us the tools yes. um, within the field to, you know, obviously do reach out and get people interested in the field, but you know, they can only do so much. They've set up the apprenticeship program. They've right. created avenues for, you know, people, they're thinking the middle to long-term solution and what we need to do as biomeds currently within the field and, you know, senior leaders within the HTM industry is take those tools and apply them. So the HTML box is a wonderful tool. It right. encompasses all different age ranges, um, even, you know, new career changes, but if the biomeds within the field are not taking that HTM in a box tool and applying it to their local high school or career day or what have you, it's not being utilized and we're not doing that outreach. Obviously we have full-time jobs, um, especially with labor shortages, making us have to work a little bit longer. Um, but that's going to be a major contributor that I don't think a lot of people are either willing to invest their time in or cognizant of, um, you know, being able to do so. Um, I myself have not had the opportunity to speak at too many uh, new grads or, you know, new kids. Obviously, that's why I'm trying to do it through the podcast, but I have stopped at a couple of colleges and spoken to new biomed hopefuls. Um, I would encourage everyone within the field to, you know, scout out maybe a school within your area, take the HTM in a box and just get out there and volunteer for a day, you know, and let people know why this field is so rewarding and so important. Um, I do have plans on doing that this summer as well. Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, 10 to 15 years from now, when our senior leaders have left and we don't have the means to fill those positions, part of the blame is going to lie within the HTM field itself. I fully agree. I mean, you can't complain about the problem if you're not doing anything. And yeah, I want to again, just applaud Danielle and the team at Amy for what they're doing. I mean, it's pretty ingenious in my opinion. It's a really, really innovative way to get new blood to the field. And like Chase, I encourage everyone to really take those tools and run with them because like you said, tools are only as good as what you use them for. So it's, it does, it takes an effort of everyone in the field to just rally behind this and, and encourage people and tell them why you love to do what you do, because if they don't know about the field, they can't go into it. And I think that's been the big eight, one of HTM's, in my opinion, biggest issue is a lack of just awareness of the profession as a whole. I recently, when I went on a venture to obviously 
speak at a conference, I had a gentleman walk up to me and he said, Hey, I listened to your podcast. I just wanted to meet you. I'm currently in biomed school right now. I believe you said college biomedical equipment technology, which yeah. is uh, based in San Antonio. Um, Morty has that program uh, more and it's fantastic. Um, I hope to get down there and look at it. But anyway, he approached me and he said, you know, I've been a contractor all my life. Um, I'm over 40 now and it's just not doing it for me right now. And I decided to make a career shift by listening to your podcast. And not only that, my son who is currently in high school, who stays with his mother and, you know, I don't get to see him as much as I would like to. We have bonded listening to your podcast and he is also deciding to get into the biomed field. Wow. Now, this took me aback just because, you know, that's the whole mission of the podcast for me to outreach, to get people interested, to fill these labor supply chain issues and get people interested and aware of the field. And not only did I capture, you know, the interest of someone willing to change their career, which is really hard, especially in that time frame as an adult, but also get his son interested. That was probably the most rewarding thing that I could have gotten out of everything I've done. And like I said, it's honestly inspired me to do more outreach to, like I said, go and try to figure out what local chapters there might be or speak to more kids at colleges and high schools and elementary schools. It's possible people, but at the end of the day, you have to make the discerning you know, decision that you're going to invest a little bit of time to help meet these shortages. So that's all. If anything from this episode, obviously we have supply chain issues and you know, it's nothing one person can fix with supply chain. It's just, it's the brunt of the beast right now. There's certain ways we can navigate it by networking with either other hospitals, other vendors, and trying to get the supplies you need and just, you know, holding for them until we get through this and it will eventually pass. But as for labor shortages and meeting the needs within the HTM industry, you know, give a little bit of yourself back to investing in the future for our field and we'll be much better off within the coming decade. Well, I can't think of a better way to wrap that up. Chase, as always, it was so great to talk to you and I look forward to having more conversations um, in this podcast. And as always, please subscribe to 24-7 at www.247x7mag.com. So thank you so much. Oh, Bye. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Bye, Chase.